Welcome. So how is your day going? That's part A and part B, dialing in from Los Angeles? Yes, I am in Los Angeles. Uh, the day is going well. I'm meeting some uh, nice people on Zoom interviews all over the country. It's very exciting. Where are you? Long Island, New York, where I'm sure there's oh. lots and lots of fans of yours at. Well, I hope so. Of course. I, I hope so. <laughs> How is Long Island right now? How is it? Heat wave, but couldn't it always be 20 times worse? Yeah, that's true. It could be 20 times. But it's hot here. I just changed it. It doesn't even look like a shirt. It looks like I'm, I'm wearing a shirt. It's a shirt. Sorry, it's hot here and you can't have the air conditioning on when you're Zooming, so I feel for you. I hear you. The AC is going back on in about 15 minutes or less. So, <laughs> so cutting right into it, the first question, before I ask you about Welcome to Happiness, I couldn't figure this out. Do you have a nickname? Is there a second name that anyone calls you by? Uh, well, I mean, I jokingly call myself Babs De Niro when I'm wearing a velour tracksuit. Uh, but, uh, you know, Paget is a weird name. So people, the first day on set anywhere, you hear everyone on the walkie saying Paget, Paget, uh, Paget. And I just never correct anyone. I, 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 it's just more fun to hear, you know, what people can come up with. So I, I don't know. People call me Baji, uh, PB. I don't, I don't, do you have a nickname? I haven't really thought about that. I was going to go with PB. Or Maybe. some like variation on the rapper named Master P, like, I don't know, oh. Easy P, Cool P, I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> Thank you for this, longtime fan and admirer oh. of your work. Welcome to Happiness is how we were connected in the first place. When you made the film, did you know, hey, this is a special one, everybody in this is going to make it, and we're going to have a director's cut? Did you have any kind of inkling of that? Oh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't imagine that six years after we shot it, it would uh, be recut and come out again in a worldwide pandemic when people are desperate for new content, but uh, this seems to have worked out. Uh, I, I got the script from Molly Quinn, who's also in the movie, and she said, hey, read this, I'm doing this indie film, and uh, I think you'd be great in this part, and I was like, oh no, it's a friend. He's sending a script, it's no money, you know, indie, first time director. And I read it and it was great. And I was like, oh, I gotta do it. And then I sent it on to Keegan-Michael Key and I was like, hey, indie oh. film, uh, I think you might like this part. <laughs> I'm doing it, so is Molly, check it out. And um, and he signed on and and then, you know, to find out that that Josh Brenner and Francis Conroy and Nick Offerman and like, you know, Brendan Sexton III and like oh, these people are, Kyle Gallner, I mean, I already knew he was in it um it, it's a great cast and i don't think that it got and it's beautiful like the art directions and the lighting is beautiful the, mm -hmm. the script is great and the reason why we all signed on it's a it's a it's a lovely solid strange interesting thought-provoking movie and i'm excited that it's coming out again and i love the cuts that that oliver the director did um, he didn't make it you know an incomprehensible opus like some directors, he actually took 15 minutes out of it and streamlined it. And I think the core ideas and performances and questions are, are all there. Um, and so I, I, I'm excited for people to see it. You are so good at what you do. You answered the following for me. I <laughs> wind up in the project. 
had you worked with anyone before uh, winding up in the project, the legacy of it, life during COVID, you, you kind of wrapped all that up. And so when you're taping a lot of these, like I do, you say, so, hey, when did you film blank? And lately we've been hearing things like, well, four years ago, five years ago, or oh. this is an early cut. So even though this is, you know, a new release, well, I should say, even though it's an old movie in some ways, it's a new movie to a lot of people because it's a new release. Uh, do you know how the director's cut varies from the original? First of all, he added um, chapter titles, which give you an idea of a sense of where you're going and what's going to be discussed. And there are so many characters and storylines that it, it really helps the film move forward. And in Oliver's own words, he said, he, he loves watching TV shows, but he won't start watching a TV show until he knows how many episodes there are. And he looks at the titles of all the episodes because he wants to know what he's getting in for. And so he said, oh, I should do that for Welcome to Happiness. And that was you know one idea. He cut out scenes that were honestly at the time, and he cut out a, a big scene that I was in with Olivia Thurlby. And while I was watching this new cut, I was thinking, I don't get it. Why are we out in the desert at that point? And why, why were we so mean? What was going on there? And he took it out because it didn't, it, it didn't help the movie. And so I don't even remember what that was about, but, but I'm glad that I'm like healthy enough to recognize, oh, I've been left on the cutting room floor and I'm happy about it. Yeah. Like that makes me feel like, oh, I'm growing and learning and, and I, I'm a pretty happy gal. So I have no idea if I just answered your question. You absolutely did. And huh. going uh, further into the brand of she's been working extensively in film and television for a long <laughs> time now. I don't think everybody realizes your extensive credits in the voiceover world related to animated shows. Was the first one of those that you did Duck Dodgers and did that lead to everything else? Oh, no. The first one I did was... I think 1996 or 97, the Godzilla series on Fox. I can't remember my character's name, but it was played by Maria Patillo in the movie. And Joey Pantoliano was in the cast. Yeah. And Kevin Dunn, who was in Godzilla, he played the Colonel or whatever. So Godzilla was the, was the first animated series I did. And that was back when everyone was in the room so you would have 15 16 actors in a big you know studio room everyone had music stands and the director was behind you know in the audio audio booth behind a double pane of glass saying into a mic okay we're going to go from line 64 and we'll do a three two one go and i had to learn those guys had to teach me everything what that meant it meant you say the line three times and then the next person says their line billboard this word i didn't know anything and all of those guys taught me how to do how to record animation and i've just been so lucky that i that i've kept on doing it and i've discovered in in now doing interviews with people today that i'm i'm uh i'm not that varied i sound like this in every character i do nah. della duck uh robots on family guy um i I just, I think I keep Lana Lang, Lois Lane, uh, Poison Ivy, like I just sound like this, but I commit, 
I commit in that little booth and I, I love doing it because it's just this, it, you know when you got the line right mm -hmm. and it feels, it's so satisfying. It's like, a, it's like a, an immediate satisfaction sort of, whereas with film or television with single camera, you don't know until later, oh, did I do that? Oh no, and I, I didn't really hit my mark right there. And you know, but with voice work, you know, you know when you when you got it and 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 it feels great and it's all i've done the whole pandemic was just animation voices and and narration for for um, behind the attraction on disney plus i didn't realize that behind the attraction was yours the that's the brian volkweiss dwayne johnson yes show. yeah we did 10 episodes about um the 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 creation of all the disneyland disney oh, worlds yeah. all of the rides and it's fascinating it's really interesting how everything was made and 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 the things that didn't work and the things that have been changed and it's it's really it's a great series i'm really proud of it i like it this is your interview per se but i've had the pleasure of interviewing brian a few times and the number of consecutive simultaneous projects that he has going on at oh. any given time you go how is a person able to be hands-on as a director while creating shows and producing it's unbelievable i don't know i i don't have that ambition <laughs> I, I i am a gun for hire i like to show up i do my thing i'm out and i couldn't i couldn't work like that those guys are animals they have the um the movies that made us uh, the toys the, uh, that made us. Yeah, the toys that made us behind the attraction. They now have like three other things in the works. Those guys are animals. Podcast network, all the comedy dynamic, oh. comedy specials, etc. But back to you here. Back to you here. <laughs> uh, the success that you've had doing voice-related work for animated animated shows, and now I'm learning behind the attraction, all that. I'm curious when in your life you realized hmm, my voice isn't that bad. Because when you're a kid, you know, people mimic you and then you get self-conscious and you eventually have to break out of that shell to go, I don't hate hearing myself on camera. Oh. Do you remember around what age that was? Wow, that's interesting. Um, it, it wasn't attempted to be that interesting. You're oh, no, I, I remember, I, I remember, you know, when we first, when I first got an answering machine and I had to record an outgoing message, I remember thinking, well, that's just awful. I I sound awful because I wasn't aware of it as a kid. Uh, I don't think I was I wasn't made fun of. I was made fun of for my knees and my nose because that was pretty much all I was as a child. I was very <laughs> underweight and sickly and I just had a beak and these giant knobby knees. So that's where I was made fun of. But my dad, the whole time I was growing up, was an English teacher. And so grammar and and elocution very important to my dad and I think it served me incredibly well because the reason I get cast is I can speak very quickly and articulately and lay down this is where we are this is who the bad guy is uh also the moon is you know gonna go out and we need guns like I I can say that faster like really complicated dialogue I, I can say that really quickly um and so my voice definitely I I I, I think I do have a pretty good voice. And I loved when I was on yeah. Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, the CBS, the FBI show, at yes. the beginning and end of every episode, there's a quote. 
and one of the cast members would read the quote. And yeah. I, I loved reading the quote. I wanted to read the quote for every show. I was so jealous when other people got to read the quote because, you know, you have to be, it's very, you know, very serious. And our, our, where we recorded the voiceover for Criminal Minds was a trailer just filled with carpet on the lot. And so if a truck drove by, you had to do it again. Like it was very, there were surprisingly low budget um, uh, corners cut on Criminal Minds. And, uh, but, but it, in, in reading those quotes, if I saw an episode, I'd be like, oh, I, I do sound good. And uh, I, I, I don't know why, now I wanna know why I haven't had a national campaign. I can sell things. Uh, yeah. I, I like my voice now. <laughs> well, two quick questions. Well, for me, they're quick. I don't know if they're going to be quick for I'll you. I'll talk but... too much. Go ahead. I'll, okay. I'll edit. I'll edit. Go ahead. No, big fan of what you're saying. So the first one, uh, Criminal Minds, huge show for a long, long time, syndicated. People are still watching it, etc. But what I found is there's certain shows that were hits in the middle of the country and then the East and the West Coast less so. I was curious, I've heard from people who are on Bones that that was the thing that Bones, they would go in the middle of the country and be mobbed and then they could walk around unscathed East and West Coast. I would imagine community was the opposite where now all these people picked up on you from the East and West Coast and then they didn't pick up on that, that when you were in middle Americas, don't we know you from Criminal Minds? Is this a totally made up thing or applicable? No, you're absolutely, you're 100% right. And uh, we we would, on Criminal Minds, every, if we ever went anywhere on vacation, we would text the whole cast thread saying, you guys were super famous in Denver. <laughs> guys, Michigan, forget it. You can't do a drive-through. I mean, it, and it, it's hilarious, but New York, LA, nope, no, nothing, yeah. nada, zip. But yes, community and friends. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. where I would be recognized in New York and L.A. Uh, friends, yes, the rest of the country, but Criminal Minds was so big. And those guys on Bones, that's their it's true. Same thing. It's probably the same thing for NCIS <laughs> and CSI. No yeah. procedurals. You're <laughs> massive. You can't. And you know what? I'll be honest. It's really fun sometimes because it makes Chicago O'Hare Airport a whole lot more fun when people are happy to see you because that's a lousy airport. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's nice. It's nice to be embraced for, for making a show that people like. For all the right reasons. And then the last question, besides welcome to happiness, do you have a TV recommendation that you could pass along to someone who needs a new show to start? Uh, have you seen White Lotus on HBO? I have, I have not. Okay, it's a new show. Uh, by Mike White, who did Enlightened. Um, he And he was also, he and his father were contestants on The Amazing Race. I don't know if you know that. This big director, Hollywood director, he and his dad were contestants on The Amazing Race, like season six. Um, I watch all the cooking shows. Um, I, I am, I admit it, I'm watching this show called F-Boy Island. I know it's wrong. <laughs> I know it's wrong. Um, I love the Top it. Chef. Yeah, yeah, the Top Chef Master. I'm rewatching all of those. Uh, I'm trying to think of more. Do you have a show for me? Uh, the new show that's coming out on Stars 
in a week or so called Heels is excellent. I don't have stars. Should I get stars? I don't have stars. If the stars people are watching this, yes, you should have stars. <laughs> it is a must-see network and we love it very much. Uh, <laughs> the new season of I Think You Should Leave by Tim Robinson. Have you seen that? No. What excellent, is it? Excellent sketch comedy show. As oh, yes. It is bizarre. I saw the one with uh, Bob Odenkirk in the diner. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I my husband and I were watching sketches the other night and my husband was like, what is this? I never even, I never heard of this. What is this? And they're, they're so good yeah. that we're watching them going, how has this sketch never been made? And how, who, how are there enough ideas left for these brilliant sketches? That show is amazing. You got taste. That's, that's that the point that we've learned besides having to see Welcome to Happiness as soon as you can, we've learned you've got taste. So thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to all the upcoming projects from you as always. Thank you. Have a great day in Long Island. <laughs> Take care. Outrocast. Thank you for your time. Simple as okay. that, Kelly. Long, long, long time fan. And pulling the curtain back a little bit, I asked you how many songs are written for this new Night Ranger album. And right. you said there's like two of them. But the bottom line is multiple excellent songwriters in your band. And Brad is somebody who has to write practically every day for his day job, writing for film and TV, yep. video games. Yep. In your case, do you need a new project to be able to write or are you regularly writing too? Well, um, I have been uh, writing uh, for, a, for a solo album, you know, for the last like five years. So, yeah, I, I use that as a tool to keep my brain working right, you know. Um, so, I mean, the fact that that's what we do, sometimes you can, you know, you can get oversaturated with it. So it's nice to have a break in between. Sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, I use that as therapy a lot of times. Absolutely. You were very fun to watch live. I think you're the first drummer that I ever noticed who did the sideways drum kit, or at least didn't put their drum kit all the way in the back. So therefore, yeah. you're clearly a focal point of the show, vocally, playing-wise, et cetera. When you're writing a song, do you hear the drum part first or second or anything like that? Or are you writing on other instruments? Yeah, I write on, on guitar, so I don't hear the drum part until I'm actually ready to, to put it down. So... You know, the fact that um, uh, it, the song comes first, melody, lyric, you know, and then I try and keep it as simple as possible. And then I let get the, the great guitar players that we have or that I might be working with use, you know, th let them do their thing and embellish their the part. But yeah, no, I don't hear drum parts at all. Usually bands track the drums first and they lay everything yeah. down. But you're saying that the drums usually get written maybe last or towards the end. So sure. how does that work in terms of that being your instrument and you're probably gonna be laying down the lead vocals, which are last as well, it's kind of out of sequence. Well, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. You know, you, you write the song first and then, you, and then you use what's needed as far as the rhythm tracks, you know? So yeah. it's always basic, but, but uh, you know, sometimes, like songs like uh, Seven Wishes, that mm -hmm. was based on a march that I did in high school. So it was like we were, we, you know, we had the chorus, but then when we got in a room together, I just started doing this march and everybody was like, well, what if we use that as the basis of the song groove? And it was like, so there's, there's one 
instance where it was like the drum part uh, came in the in in the beginning, you know. So do you not finish the song? In other words, you're sitting down to write because you go, hey, I have a new album. Are there unfinished songs for you or is it unfinished fragments? You know, that's a, that's a good question. A lot of times they are songs, you know, you finish them all the way just because you want to have everything laid out when you're doing yep. an album. Like, what do we need here? Do we do we need a ballad? Do we need an up-tempo? So you're usually, you know, you just try and finish them. But yeah, there's lots of kernels. I call them kernels. You know, they're just like stuffed in my phone. They're on the computer in the other room. So yeah, that's, do it like that. That's what my next question was going to be. Are they all on your phone? Are they all voice memos? Or are you the rare person who's still tracking on their original eight track cassette? Tech yeah. cam? Because some, some people I find are doing that because they love, that's what they were doing when they were a teenager and they never served. Sure. sure. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's nice to have a simple device that you can go to in in an instant. So, I mean, when you go to fire up, you know, like something on the computer, like Pro Tools or something like that, that's like you know, it takes like you know twenty minutes. Right. So better to grab your phone. Better to grab like a digital recorder, a handheld, and get it done that way. You know. Well, credit to Night Ranger for being strong as ever as a live band. I haven't been able to see the band live. I've just been relying on all the YouTube film footage. And the songs are still in their original keys for the most part. So you're still good. Uh, how much yeah. of that is, <laughs> is preserving your voice intentionally versus luck in genetics? I mean... I think we do take care of ourselves, you know, so we, and it's all, the focus is all about live now or making records. So we, we try and, and have that and instead of distractions with, you know, alcohol and stuff. I mean, we, you know, we, we went through bouts like that, you know, in the, in the eighties, but uh, now it's just all about how we, how can we be strong? How can we be as good as possible? hundred percent. I mean, everybody's filming it on their phones, which I don't understand. It's like, it's like you get it home and go, man, that was a great concert. Let's play it. Oh, they wanted me to be able to see it. So that's why they did that. <laughs> I know. I know. I did. I'm still, I still joke about it, but it's, it's, it's pretty funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So as somebody who used to spend a lot of time in Japan, it always blew my mind. As big as Night Ranger was here, it was always much bigger in Japan. Was there another country or two like that? For example, was Germany one of your strong territories? Um, you know, we, we did play Europe, you know, and stuff like that early on. But we always go back to Japan because, I don't know, they, they embrace our music. They love every song. They, they try and learn every lyric. So when we're singing the songs live, they're like, you know, singing them back to us, you know. So it's really, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a special place for us, you know, because they... They basically started uh, on the first album. Mm -hmm. So we went over there uh, uh, before we actually toured in America on the Dawn Patrol record. And we were like, we were like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this is great. You know, we're like big stars over here or whatever. And we come back to obscurity to America. You know, we, we used to laugh about that. Like, nobody knows us here yet. You know, so it was pretty funny. In the case of finding success in Japan, sometimes it's because there was one guy in the international department that really got it. Sometimes it was that the manager took the time to take one meeting at the Tokyo office, and then that made everyone care. Any idea what it was that made it so lucky in Japan all these years later? 
I think it's just that they embrace, um, you know, American music. They love American rock and roll. And, you know, along with their internal artists as well. But they just like what we do and they get it, you know. And, and when you go over there... You see people dressing like like us on stage and stuff like you know, and they they've got a style all their own when it comes to fashion, but they definitely embrace uh, American rock and roll. Well, where I was going with that is a lot of the all time classic American artists are virtually unknown over there. For example, good luck finding Tom Petty live in Japan bootlegs. He would, yeah. uh, or the Replacements, one of the most influential indie rock. Oh yeah, hardcore kind of bands. Nothing happened over there. And then you talk about somebody like Lowell George from Little Feet, and he was kind of a legend. Yeah, so- I, I know. It's like, I mean, <laughs> and and look, you know, the promoter that promoted us, you know, he brought like Nat King Cole and the Beatles and stuff like that over to Japan. So it was like to look at the mixture. It's like totally weird, you know, like Nat King Cole's Sammy Davis Jr., you know. And then the Beatles, you know, and, uh, you know, Deep Purple. I mean, so so it's really it's really bizarre when you think about uh, the, the styles of music that they love over there. You know, was that Mr. Udo? the promoter? Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, got it. The legendary Mr. Udo. Well, hey, back to and the band played on ATBPO. That is the new record. You mentioned you have a solo record also in the works. Well, you know, I've, I've been working on it for uh, like six or eight years. So, you know, uh, but the, the band is, you know, it's so busy. Yeah. So I, I can't find a time, you know, enough time to finish it. But I, I probably have like eight songs now. So I'm getting close, you know, but it's the last one I did was like 10 years ago or maybe even longer. So, um, you know, but this is really my focus, you know, is this band. I mean, uh, Jack and Brad and myself, we, we started the band over 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, um, in 1978, I, jo- I joined up with them in another band. So we've been in like three different bands together. So this is really my focus. But, you know, when, when I have time, I love working on songs and I love keep, you know, keeping creative. So. Sure. Well, my last two questions, being mindful of your time here. First one, when you're not busy with Night Ranger, where does your time usually go? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just I just like relaxing at home because I do so much traveling. I like being at home. I, I, I read a lot, you know, stuff like that. I, I've, I've been spending the, like, the last four or five years reading about all the music history and the songwriters that I loved when I was a kid. I just finished a book called, um, uh, about Jimmy Webb which is, yeah. you know, incredible songwriter from the 60s and 70s, right? Loved, loved his stuff. I mean, you know, so I've been trying to catch up on all the stuff that I missed as a kid. Right. And the, and the inspirations that I had back then, so. Jimmy Webb, amazing, and moved to Long Island, of all places, in his later years. Well, Oh, my God, wow. It happens. Sometimes they come here. Uh, you, can't and- drive, you can't drive a Cobra in, in Long Island. Come on. No. <laughs> and the last question I have for you, do you have a TV recommendation that you could pass on to somebody who needs a new show to start? Oh, um, Breaking Bad. How about that? <laughs> I mean, we, I watched that for the third time during COVID, you know, it was like, it was like, Oh my God, talk about amazing writing, great, uh, cinematography, just all, all around incredible shows. So. Well, Kelly, thank you for the many, many years of great music. Hope to see you live in the New York metro area when the time comes. But great, man. Thanks for the awesomeness and looking forward to that solo album. Take care. All right, take care, buddy. Bye now. See you.
Outrocast. <laughs>